This morning's scripture reading is from Acts 9, verses 10 through 22. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, I am here, Lord. The Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Taurus named Saul. At this moment, he was praying, and he has seen a vision, a man named Ananias, come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go. For he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before the Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days, he was with the disciples in Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed and said, is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem among those who invoked this name? And has he not come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priest? Saul became increasingly more powerful and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Messiah. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank Thanks be to God. Thank you, Christy. It's just a fascinating story, and uh, honestly, I'm typically more drawn to uh, what happens just before this story. This, I, it was too long to include, but most of you are familiar with what happens just before this. This is uh, the Apostle Paul, his dramatic conversion to become a Christian. You see, uh, Saul was uh, a leader in the uh, Jewish religion, in the Jewish faith, who was actually persecuting Christians. So he was going around and rounding them up and, and taking them out and allowing them, at least allowing them, if not orchestrating, their killing because they were going around proclaiming that Jesus was the Messiah and Lord. And so, um, so he, didn't like that. he didn't like that that was happening. And so uh, Jesus meets uh, Saul on the road to Damascus where Saul is literally about to go and round up people just like Ananias and persecute them. But the Lord intervenes, knocks him off of his horse, and says, why are you persecuting me, Saul? And changes his life dramatically. Now, for some, that's not very compelling. You can't really relate to that dramatic conversion. And this is where the story gets interesting. Saul is literally on his way to persecute, imprison, and kill Ananias, the very person who is going to pray for him, and the other believers in Damascus. 
So it's no surprise that Ananias, one, is not excited to do this. And the Lord asks him, uh, this is what you need to do. But it's especially not surprising that um, Ananias is willing to respond. You see, Ananias is in a really good place here. He's clearly in sync with Jesus. You notice that? He discerned Jesus' voice. It's not like uh, Jesus didn't have to beat him over the head to get his attention. He discerned Jesus' voice from a, a place of prayerful anticipation and was willing to risk persecution to follow Jesus. It's easy to miss that part when we read this story, but Ananias was the one that Saul was actually coming to get. But now it's getting pretty serious. Not only did Ananias know that this was a a threat out there, but the main persecutor that was coming to get him is the one that Jesus asks him to bless. For Ananias, there is no greater personification of an enemy than Saul. Think about this. On an ideological level, think of your own enemy, whoever that is on an ideological level. Maybe radically different values than you. On an ideological level, Saul, who will become Paul, is not a Jesus follower. Not even close, right? And on a personal level, it's not just that he doesn't like him, he's willing to kill him. Make no mistake, Saul is a serious threat to Ananias. This is not just a cute Sunday school lesson, this is real life, this is dangerous. And yet, this is the test of faithfulness. Ananias. He says this. Let's read this part again. He says, uh, Lord, I've heard about uh, this guy uh, from many people. How much evil he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. <laughs> Don't you remember, God, that this is the guy? He's dangerous. But this is where the depth of Ananias' faith And his faithfulness to Jesus, his obedience to Jesus is revealed. Listen to these words that no doubt Ananias would have remembered from Jesus. See if you remember these yourself. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Yeah. And, you remember the other part? Someone must remember. Pray for those who persecute you. Okay? Is there any clearer example than what Ananias is being asked to do? Not only is he going to be near this man, remember someone who's very different from him, completely different values, and wants to kill him. I wouldn't want to be in the same room as that person. Not only is he going to be near this person, but he's going to bless him, He's going to heal him physically and he's going to impart the Holy Spirit to this person which will enable Saul to be the most influential follower of Jesus in history. Ananias welcomes Saul. Lays his hands on him. And listen to this word that he uses when when he does this. Listen to this word. Remember, this is a person that wants to kill him. He lays his hands on Saul and he says, Brother, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me 
so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Friends, can there be any more clear message of loving your enemy than this? Going from someone who's wanting to kill you, very different from you, a real threat, and because of your love for Jesus, you would place your hands on that person and call them such an intimate word as brother or sister, a family member, a fellow follower of Christ. Can there be any clearer message of, the, of loving your enemy than this? Now, I don't know about you, but the people that I consider an enemy in my life, I don't really have any actual enemies, but you know, for us, it's more like people who we view as a threat. Like they make us feel uncomfortable. They make us feel nervous or angry or whatever. Or maybe it's a real actual enemy somewhere. I'm sure we would have enemies if we went to different countries uh, where Christianity was illegal. I don't really want to be around those people. <laughs> Just be honest with you. If they make me feel like kind of anxious inside, I do not want to be around them. I don't want to be close to them. I definitely don't want to bless them or empower them or bring them healing or call them brother or sister. Do you? Probably not. But maybe loving our enemies is the clearest and most powerful witness of our love for Jesus. In fact, Jesus says that. He says these very words that that's how the world will know that you love Him is by the way that you love your enemies. Now that's a very tall order, I admit. But when we start to realize that it's important for us to love our enemies and even to show them compassion, we realize that this life really isn't about us. It's not about what we think is important. It's not about what we want to do with our time on earth. Our life is about Him. Our life is about giving glory to Jesus. Making sure that others know that He's real. That He's resurrected by the way that we live our lives. And what more powerful example of that is there than loving your enemies? How could they do that? How could they re-engage in a relationship that feels tenuous? How could they actually offer forgiveness when they don't need to? In, uh, in recovery circles that use the 12 steps, it's a really important step to make amends, to go and repair broken relationships. And I read something about, um, in Al-Anon, it's, it's people who aren't the drinkers, they're not the alcoholics, and they've been hurt. And they say, well, why should I have to be the one to make amends? They're the ones who aren't changing. And they say, well, making amends can sometimes just mean uh, re-engaging in a relationship in a different way. Changing yourself and being open. Not having hostility towards someone that maybe we would like to, or we feel justified having hostility towards, or purposely avoiding. But maybe loving our enemies is the clearest and most powerful witness of our love for Jesus. Because it's in these moments that Christ's power and grace are shining through us as we walk in His ways. And we see the unexpected transformations that result. You notice that at first, Ananias said, Lord, I don't want, I don't want to do this. Please don't make me go around this guy. But the Lord tells him, this is what we read, but the Lord said to him, Go, 
For He is an instrument whom I have chosen. I've chosen Him. The Lord has chosen Him to go in My name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I Myself will show Him what He must do. It's interesting because this is the exact word, instrument. This is the same word that we read in this verse that Paul uses later. It translates differently. But Paul says that we have this treasure in clay jars. Clay jars is a similar Greek word to instrument, the word that uh, Jesus uses to Ananias here. But we have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. It goes on to say we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our bodies. They see this through us. Something clicked with Ananias here. Perhaps he started to realize that God's power and glory will shine through anyone whom God chooses. It's not up to Ananias to say, well, not that guy, God. Don't you know how dangerous he is? Maybe you want to reconsider. Go a different way. God chooses uh, whom He wants to choose to carry out His will. He's not limited by our understanding or by our failures. Thank God. (laughs) So Saul regains his sight and receives the Holy Spirit and begins to preach the Gospel message immediately. And this powerful disciple's future, which is a huge part of what we now call the Bible, all happened because of Ananias. Because of his willingness to first, first of all, this is maybe the most important part, to discern God's will in prayer. That's what Ananias was doing when God spoke to him. He was just anticipating God's will in prayer. Just waiting. Maybe worshiping. Who knows, maybe somebody else was with him. But first, he discerned God's will in prayer. And second, maybe this is the most important for us, he showed courage in obedience. (laughs) I mean, think of the courage here. It's one thing to say, okay, I trust that God is asking me to do this to go talk to somebody new in the church. (laughs) Compare those two. I'm nervous to go talk to the new person versus this one wants to kill me. Kind of puts some perspective, right? He discerns God's will in prayer, shows courage and obedience, and lastly, trusts God enough. Trusts God enough to love his enemy. He didn't know what was going to happen next, but he didn't need to. God didn't ask him to know exactly how it was going to turn out and what, you know, was, was Paul going to be grateful? Was Saul going to be grateful or not? Who knows? It wasn't up to him. But I think this story with Ananias can show us how important it is for us to not limit what God can do in other people. But hear this. It's also an important story to understand that we shouldn't limit what God can do in us. In you. We're in you. We're in you. Because how often do we say that? 
well, I'm not so sure you can use me, God. You know, that's somebody else. That's uh, the pastor's job or that's the leader's job or, well, that's a different leader's job because I'm not really skilled in that. Well, no, that's not really up for us to decide. Our job is to discern, to discern what God is leading us to do and then to do it. And to trust that God's power is working through us as we engage in this process. How often do we avoid contact with someone we don't like? (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) How often do you do that? Just stay away from them. They're super different from me. They challenge what I believe. They make me feel uncomfortable. They invoke anger in me. I just don't even want to be around them because I don't, I don't like being that person. And how often do we limit what God can do in and through us? But if God can use the faithfulness of Ananias to heal and empower Saul, who would become Paul, then who are we to say what He can do through our faithfulness? Through our willingness to discern to listen for God's voice, to say, God, what is it that you're asking me to do today? Today, what do you want me to do? We can't understand it, but we can commit to engaging with people who are maybe outside of our comfort zone, doing things that are different. Praying for those people, at least in our hearts. I know how hard it is to pray out loud for people. And seeing what God does. Seeing, you know, what, what's God going to do? I tell you, the more that I get outside of my comfort zone, I've been in four different new circles of people, and it feels very awkward. I was at a seminar uh, last Saturday, and I was sitting in this huge conference room, and I didn't know anybody. <laughs> and all those feelings come back. You know, like, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. I don't fit in. Those are the feelings that people feel when they come to our church for the first time. Why should I, did I, why should I even come here? Did I, I'm, so, I'm so stupid they wouldn't like me. That's what, that's what we all think when we're in a brand new situation. But the problem is, most of us aren't in those kinds of new situations anymore. So we forget how it feels. But when I put myself in new circles where I don't know anybody and I just have to let go of my control completely, I'm amazed by the people who speak into my life, this word that someone will speak that just clicks and somehow God teaches me something through someone I would have never imagined, someone addicted to crack. Wow, that was really profound what you just said. (laughs) That's not who I was going to seek wisdom from, you know what I mean? (laughs) Someone who's admitting their brokenness. Someone who's showing courage and stepping forward and saying, I need help. God's power is not limited by my understanding for myself or of other people. Praise God for that truth. Because if it was, God would be so much smaller than who He really is. So this is what I try to ask Jesus. This is what I propose to you. I try to ask Jesus as regularly as I can get myself to to say this. Jesus What do you want me to see or to hear? What do you want me to see, to hear, or to learn? Not what can I get out of this? Like when we come to worship or when we're serving or when we're just living out our day, like what can I get? No, say, 
what do you want me to see or to hear? And how can I step forward in obedience like Ananias? Friends, when we commit ourselves to following Jesus, prayerfully seeking to discern His voice and direction, we might just be amazed by what happens and discover that His power is unlimited, not limited by our past or failures or anybody else's. And we as His followers are the instruments or the vessels who get the privilege and honor of shining the light of Christ so that the hurting world may be drawn to Him. Amen. I'd like to leave, just have a space here, 30 seconds for.